It's what I do. I check my I know. phone all the time. Scott is like a fidgeter. Yep. He fidgets with everything. So I'm like, okay, but you're going to be recorded. So stop fidgeting with everything. You guys might be the first married couple that I've had on. And I'm really, re- I'm really excited about it. Okay. For examples, just like that. Like, could you just turn your phone off and stop fidgeting? <laughs> like only, only husbands and wives can say that to each other. You're listening to Lead Them to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Lead Him to Life. I am really honored and excited to be sitting down. I think this is my first recorded episode with a married couple at the same time. I've had a husband or a husband and then his wife later on or vice versa, but I don't know that I've ever had a couple sitting down except for me and Matt at one time. So Rachel and Scott Mark, welcome to Lead Him to Life. Thank you. We're excited to chat with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy lives and all the things. To get us started, um, maybe just introduce yourself. Where do you live in the world? What do you do? And when is that little baby coming? (laughs) Uh, I'm Scott. Uh, We live here in Brookings, South Dakota. Um, Right now, we've been here. We've been married for 13 years. Almost 14 almost 14. Mm -hmm. And uh, I work at Advanced, which is a company that helps the disabled uh, here in Brookings. Um, And I'm their IT person. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you like got the whole hookup for your microphone and everything over there. Oh, yes. Yep. (laughs) He's the techie geek that I ask for all of my questions for help when I can't figure things out. I love it. Awesome at that. Um, And I'm Rachel Mark. um, And Let's see. I'm at St. Thomas More Church. Um, I've been here for 13 years, so one year longer than what we've been married, um, and uh, serving as the Director of Discipleship and Evangelization right now. And our little baby is due in two and a half months on Father's Day. We are so excited about that. I love it. And this is your first, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on, but just a total gift and, um, uh, yeah, blessing of a baby, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Rachel and Scott, I want a lot of this episode to focus on, on healing. So as you guys both know, I'm the executive director of Catholic Family Services. And a lot of the work that we do um, with Catholic Family Services is oriented towards just human flourishing. Uh, and a lot of times that comes with uh, the need for healing. And we do a lot of mental health work and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, just at the, at the promotion or at the service of human flourishing and wellness. Um, and you guys just have this incredible story, uh, that I was really excited and hopeful that you would agree to coming on a podcast with, you know, billions of viewers of listeners, (laughs) um, but to, to come on this podcast and share with all of our awesome listeners, just your story of profound healing and hope. That's, that's was so moving to me. So, 
Scott, I think if, if it's okay, I want to start with you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your, your struggle with mental health over the years and kind of just your own, um, a little bit of your story of your journey? Okay. Um, so, uh, growing up, I grew up with, uh, in a small town in Southeast South Dakota, uh, with a lot of pressure, anger, um, expectations, uh, to perform, uh, to be a good student, uh, to be a good son. Um, and, uh, as I would find out later, uh, a lot of mental illness, um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger. Oh, so you didn't know this growing up. No, you don't know it growing up when you grow you're just kind of in it. Okay. You're just in it. That's you, yep. Yeah, you, you don't know what normal is. You have no basis to judge against somebody else. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, looking back, my mother was institutionalized uh, the August after I was born. Uh, I was born in May. Okay. And in August, she was institutionalized for five months. Wow. Um, and so we were raised a lot by our grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just a lot of fear, a lot of, uh, fear of being in pain of more pain and a lot of abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't know it when you're in it. Uh, and so growing up, there was just, a, uh, what I would later come to find out, um, social phobia and anxiety and ADHD, uh, combine that with uh, a lot of intelligence, um, and you get a very good cocktail for having mental illness right. later in life. Right, right. So was was this carried out then even into, because you guys met, what, post-college? Post-med- I was, yeah, yeah we met. And when Scott was in medical school, why don't you just fill in the, oh. the medical school stuff? And- so um, in 97, I started medical school. And I didn't know it then, but that's when I met Rachel uh, in Vermilion, South Dakota. And during orientation, um, over the lunch hour, I was in a really slow speed accident where I was turning around in my chair uh, as we got rear-ended. And it damaged my shoulder. And um, what happened was that, for me, pain manifests as mental illness. And so I had a shoulder injury that is strange. It was a phantom injury because I couldn't tie it to anything Mm -hmm. because it didn't make sense that it was from the accident, but it's the only trauma I can tie it to. Mm -hmm. And in medical school, you have so much information coming at you. It really changes your mind and how you process things. And so I mental, the pain was coming out as mental illness Mm -hmm. because in medical school, there's no activity. Wow. I'm really, I'm impressed that you can articulate that or that you became aware of that because I think it's, that's a really difficult thing for many people who are experiencing physical pain that likely is connected to some sort of emotional or mental trauma. It can feel really wounding to, to hear, no, it's not actually a physical pain. It, I mean, it's, it's the worst you. thing it's that, that you're you wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yes, it's all in your you. head or that's how it comes off. Yes. Because I looked fine. Yeah. And so I'm literally swimming in doctors. I'm seeing more doctors than anybody wants to see in a lifetime in a week because I'm working with them every day. But, um, wow. Uh, and there was a lot of trust issues. Um, 
just because of past hurts. When I was mm-hmm. seven, I broke my arm. My parents made me sleep on it because I was obviously mm-hmm. making up. I had just broken my arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. that type of lack of trust of other people yeah. uh, led into the mental illness from mm-hmm. a very young age. Mm-hmm. And so, so in medical school, I couldn't convince them, no, I really am injured. I need yeah. time off. And they're like, oh, no, you're fine because you look fine. Sure, sure. When there was this underlying thing going on for yeah. you of the mental health component, but yeah. you probably weren't even able to quite name it yet, even at that point. You can't. You can't. You just know all of a sudden you are fighting for your life or I was fighting for my life. Right. And everyone around me is like, what is going on with you? Because what, you know, yeah, can't see mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. It's what makes it, you know, someone right beside you can be suffering. Mm-hmm. and literally fighting for their life, fighting not to take their own life. Right. And you don't see it. No right. one can see it. Right. So what makes it terrifying. Yeah. So Rachel, where were, tell me about when you kind of came into the scene and the start of your, yeah, the start of your relationship, the start of your marriage, all of those things. And then how, you know, this um, experience in your marriage uh, impacted you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, So like Scott said that we met when both of us were students um, in Vermilion at USD, um, but only in passing. Um, I I didn't really know him that well. Um, We just met through some mutual friends. Um, And then several years later, we re-met when both of us were living in Sioux Falls. Um, And I was there for a temporary placement um, doing my hospital hospital chaplaincy rotation at McKinnon. And and I knew I had a bunch of college friends there from the Newman Center, so I got reconnected with them. And Scott was um, one of the gang. Um, He had converted by then. Uh, and became Catholic. And so now he's hanging out with all my Catholics. Whoa, that's a whole nother episode. Okay, we don't have time for that today, but I have so many questions. Dang it. Okay. Okay, keep, keep going. So, so we um, just seemed to hit it off. Um, we started dating. Um, I had finished my graduate program. Uh, and then Scott actually started, um, moved up to Brookings here and started his uh, graduate studies and um, this was the time where Scott was um, was fairly healthy and, and functioning at a pretty high level and doing great. And so, like he told me about this um, past experience, um, which is always good honesty when you're starting a relationship, um, to be honest about some of your past hangups. Um, but he was really doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it wasn't until um, a couple years into our marriage um, and again, I think that if I would observe from the outside, some of the pressures of academic life um, and, and such really started to wear on Scott and he started to go downhill again. Um, and so then we kind of entered into this long period, several years, painful years, uh, where Scott was just really struggling, just really, really struggling. Um, and, uh, you know, there were there were days and weeks and months that he couldn't get off the couch or out of bed. Um, and so it just was this real period of sorrow in our marriage. I, I just wish people could see your faces because the, I mean, it's, 
it's, it's just captivating. It's just really captivating. So, um, in, in that period, Rachel, what was kind of going through your heart and your mind? Because I think that, um, all of us at a different point in our, in our marriage are going to resonate with this experience, right? Of like, my spouse is really struggling. How do I support them? How do I love them? Um, And then you go through the whole gamut of resentment and then I just wish I could fix it. And then this deep love and all of these things, right? So what was kind of going through your, your heart? Yeah, it was, it was just really hard. Um, uh, On one hand, I wanted to blame Scott for everything. Um, on the other, I was really angry with God and I, I, um, complained. My prayer life was just a lot of complaining, to be honest, wow. uh, for a long time. Cause I'm like, God, this is not okay. This, this isn't is not, what I signed up for. This is yeah. not what I signed up for. This is not the marriage that I want to have. And so this is terrible. We're miserable and you need to fix it. And that seriously, that was my prayer. <laughs> that was my oh, prayer I just for told the Lord something time. similar recently about something totally different. But I oh feel, my yeah. gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, and then um it's just incredibly hard to watch somebody that you love suffer. Yeah. And know that there's really not a whole lot that you can do right. to fix that. Yeah. And I'm a doer. I wanted to fix it. You know, I tried all sorts of, you know, counselors or this self-improvement book or that retreat or this spiritual program. And then I'm trying to force Scott to do all of these things too. Um, And, you know, I was really looking for a solution. Um, And so, um, but somewhere in there, um, praise be to God, the Holy Spirit um, put uh, certain people in my life or certain um, retreat experiences. Like I, I participated um, in some healing retreat experiences myself because I knew I was suffering and I wanted to, um, you know, find some sort of solution for that. Um, and it was incredibly healing for me to heal my own hangups and my own wounds from my own family or my own childhood and recognize that you know what? Like, Hey, guess what? Not all of it's Scott's fault. (laughs) Not, I can't blame all of this on this mental illness or this depression, um, that I had, um, some things that the Lord needed to heal in my heart too. And then when I got rid of those other, like my own hangups, then I could go to Scott with truer love yeah, and really be praying for him authentically instead of just complaining. Um, and, um, and then through that, I learned how to pray differently instead of just complaining to God. then I learned some different ways to pray where I was praying, um, for example, through the power of Jesus Christ and through the authority and calling on the graces that we received in our sacrament of marriage um, and asking for the Lord to heal my husband. Wow. Um, and so there was just some really powerful things that happened and different prayers that were really helpful for us in yeah. the midst of that. Yeah. Um, and instead of just complaining or whining, um, then I learned how to pray differently for my husband. <sighs> Okay, um, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Phenomenal. (laughs) Okay. So Scott, from going back to kind of from your standpoint, then what was, what was going on in your heart in this last couple of years, what, maybe two years or so year that, um, was there, was there a breakthrough moment for you? Was it a lot of little things that kind of built up? I mean, how did this, it was what happened? A confluence of things that happened. Um, we started a supplement, um, Rachel went down to uh, a missionary in Belize and came back with an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being at that point in my life where uh, you're fighting so hard with depression uh, and you're so alone and it's so painful and so exhausting. Um, and when you grow up in abuse, there's a lot of control issues. And for me, it was giving up that control. Oh, man. Easier said than done. Yeah, easier said than done. It is surrendering. Wow. It is realizing how powerless we really are. Yeah. Yeah. And there is something beautiful in realizing that we can't do it on our own. Yeah. Um, And so a few things started to change. Um. Part of it was Rachel coming home and saying, I got this amazing story. Um, And that meant that I was going to be part of it, Um, you know, because that's part of having a baby is, you know, the husband being able to participate. And (laughs) Okay, wait, you got to tell me what the story from Belize is with (laughs) the missionary. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Rachel, Um, what the heck happened? Uh, this is, um, uh, this is so funny. Like, um, when we talk with people and I, um, like the Holy Spirit is so funny because I hear different nuances of my husband's story that I haven't heard before. Yeah. So, um, so as we're sharing with other people, then like, I'm also hearing this new, new perspective. Um, Yeah. So, you know, like, sure, I could tell you, hey, this is what I noticed about Scott changing. And, you know, gosh, he was really saying his rosary a lot, <laughs> like nonstop. But um, it was almost uh, almost three years ago. Now, I had taken a group um, of students down to Belize uh, for a mission trip. And um, one of the hosts down there was a woman who was incredibly gifted in prayer. And so she, at that time, uh, received this um, prophetic insight from the Lord and shared it with me and said, um, God is telling me that you're going to have a baby and that it's going to be a boy baby. Um, and, uh, and like at that time, you know, we had been married for what, 11 years or something at that time, you know, and Scott with his um, health issues, like it just wasn't possible. Um, and, and I was just like, okay, Lord, really? And then I immediately turned that around and said, really, Lord, (laughs) um, I know that with you, all things are possible. And so I want to live in hope in that. Um, and then the really phenomenal part of our story is that, um, of that story is that when this woman was saying that it was a boy baby, I started getting a little distracted and I started thinking, oh, I really like this name for a baby <laughs> or this name. If it's a boy, I really like this name. And it was just like, here's my mind drifting away. She's still praying for me. But just in that moment, the Lord spoke so 
profoundly and clearly to me, like he was shouting in my head. That's never happened before, but literally it was like God reached out and shook me and shouted in my head, and he told me the baby's name, and I saw it written out in giant shining letters all the way across the room. And it wasn't any of those boy names that I was thinking about. <laughs> it was something different. <laughs> you guys. Oh, my gosh. So I come home and I'm like, uh, Scott, <laughs> um, God said that we were going to have a baby. <laughs> and like we this was just not like Scott was had been getting better slowly um, through prayer, through grace, through intercession of lots of loving friends that were praying for us. Scott had been getting better, but it was but you still, still weren't there yet. We still were there. not there yet. Um, and so for that. Um, that promise and that hope that, yeah, the Lord's going to give us a baby. Well, that means we're both going to be healthy enough for a baby. <laughs> that that's really going to be possible. And Rachel made reference to the rosary. Um, that has been a very big part of it. Yeah. Um, a lot of what I suffered was intrusive thoughts, uh, where you literally lose control of your thought process. Um, and what you think about uh, it. If you remember LP records, I mean, now and then they would get a scratch on them and it would just the yeah. same thing over. Yeah. And that's kind of where my mind was at, where I was having intrusive memories come back of when I was in medical school. Right. And uh, I started with the rosary just to put something else in my mind uh, to break those intrusive thoughts. Do you think the just the rhythmic nature even of that, um, there's something about uh, you're saying one thing and you're kind of thinking about another. Uh-huh. When you go through the mysteries. Uh, yeah, there's something in that uh, in saying the rosary that breaks up that intrusive thought pattern. Uh, that was a very big part of uh, my gift from Mary. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing uh, six to twelve rosaries a day, just. Uh, just to break up the plaque, just yeah. to break up that, what had built up from 20 years of mental illness. You were retraining your brain yes. almost. Yes. See, okay. This is what's interesting to me because um, you guys had, had made a comment about, um, you know, we started a, a supplement that was helpful um, and I'll, I'll include your emails and that kind of thing in our show notes. So if people have more questions about just your process and your story and that kind of thing, they can, um, you know, find more information from you there. But um, it's, it's just intriguing to me because you're the way that you're talking about, it seems like just this combination of things, um, but ultimately leading to uh, what God could only do, you know, like what we cannot do for ourselves, God will do for us. Um, And, and I'm still curious, like, was there a moment for you, Scott, where you felt like I am made well? Yeah. Or yes. what? I mean, what happened? Yes. Um, yes. Now he has to tell this story. I'll, I'll set him up a little bit. But yes, we we had received some slow healing because I had learned how to pray differently and pray with greater power and authority for my husband. Um, he had been getting better, doing a variety of things like saying the rosary. We had started this supplement, which started to help us turn the corner a little bit. Um, we had this 
prophetic insight, this promise from the Lord that we were going to have a baby and gave Scott and, and me this great deal of hope to say, yeah, that like the Lord has something better for us in store. Um, but yes, yeah, Scott has yeah. this, this lightning bolt moment, yes. which not everybody gets. And so he has this fantastic story about it. So um, there's just a lot of prayer and uh, a lot of not knowing what to ask for with mental illness because you just, you know, there just isn't a process for it. And I still don't know where it came from. Uh, but it was, uh, one morning I asked Mary to heal my heart and I still don't know where that simple prayer came from. Mary, please heal my heart. And I got to see as she put a bandage around my heart in my mind's eye. And, um, just this, the peace that passes all understanding. And that's exactly what it was. And um, words don't wrap how difficult it is to get up and walk after 20 years of fighting mental illness. Um, and a few days later, she was with her spiritual counselor. Um, they were talking and uh, I asked for the same gift again. And I got it a second time where I could see in my mind's eye and I could see the previous bandage uh-huh. that was there wrapped around your heart wrapped around my heart um and yeah you just fall down and give thanks to God because what else do you do <laughs> it's holy so crap <laughs> yeah yeah and, and you just I mean in that experience of like of of seeing our lady wrap a band-aid around your heart I mean were you consciously aware like this is the gift that I have been asking for like was it was it clear to you yeah. in that moment yeah. it was, it was a re- um I call it the moment of perfect doubt uh where the second time I asked you know you asked with a little bit of expectation and then there was a pause and I'm like okay fine and it hit the and it was just like, oh wow, just peace. <laughs> you're, just, you're you're just blown away. Yeah. Didn't she tell you? Did you think I couldn't do it? Yeah. It was um, as close as the words I can give you. Is do you think I couldn't? It was the message I was given. Yeah. It doesn't like we put words to. Yeah. Thing, yeah. But it was yeah. We try and put words to things that cannot be given words, and yet her yes, message. Yes. But it was one of those. I love you. I would uh, give you this. Yeah. Did you think that I wouldn't? Did you think I couldn't? Was is such an interesting use of yeah words. Wow. So after that experience, um, first Scott, I want to hear from you. What what kind of started to sh- what shifted um, in terms of your just overall functioning and wellness, that kind of thing. And then Rachel, you know, did you notice this right away? What did you start to see? Maybe Rachel, you um, can start because you're giving me the you're you're giving me the eyes. <laughs> uh, you know, I had noticed Scott changing slowly um, uh, over the last few months, and in mm-hmm. fact, my family had even noticed when I we had been with them over Christmas time. Um, and then Scott's miracle with Mary was, um, I think, in February, mm-hmm. um, about two years ago. Um, 
And so, but I noticed like all of a sudden he has so much energy. He's bouncing off the walls. He's like vibrating. This is the guy that couldn't get out of bed for months at a time. And now he's like singing songs, doodapping around the house. And I'm like, what is going on? And like, he had so much energy. I'd be like, go outside, go for a run, go for a walk. I need you to get out of the house. Something. And so then he'd be like going walking laps around the neighborhood and he's losing weight. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. It was so fantastic. Um, and then he told me later um, about this particular experience with Mary that really had um, that miraculous experience that really had healed him. Um, just this uh, with mental illness, just not being able to trust your own mind to operate. Yeah. Correctly. Yeah, uh, especially when it comes to uh, just being able to get up and get out of bed consistently mm-hmm. um, and not having that um, is so it just takes out all of your self-confidence mm-hmm. uh, or even your ability to trust yourself. And it was getting that back going. We Mary has this. We've got this. Yeah. We do it. <laughs> So you started to experience real confidence in yourself even through this process. Yeah. Yeah. One of the hardest things with mental illness is ebbs and wanes. Yep. Uh, I'll say that laughter is the most expensive thing because um, when I would laugh previously, uh, right before my mental health would come back there would be a point of really easy laughter and it was always terrifying because that meant well maybe the mental illness is coming back again and uh, I still remember uh, well multiple instances uh, but uh, we were in Detroit and just being able to laugh and finally, oh, wait, maybe this mean doesn't mean that it's coming back. Yeah. And it's such, that is such a gift. Your thought pattern. Being able shifted. to laugh and enjoy life and go, oh, no, this doesn't mean it's coming back. This is real. This is, you know, it is, it's beaten. Oh, my gosh. I, I really, I wish this, I need to start videoing my podcast <laughs> because I wish I could just have listeners see your your faces and your smiles and and the tears too because it's really it's such a profound witness of the depths of of sorrow that um that the human person can experience and that our marriages can experience next to the triumph and the glory and the joy i mean your your faces when you smile it just is like Oh, it's just killing me. I can't even handle it. Um, it's just really, really a powerful, it's a powerful witness just seeing the two of you sit side by side and to tell this story. And I know it's not an easy story to tell. And I just want to thank you for, for being open and sharing it uh, with me and with our listeners um, because it's really transformative. It's really beautiful. Um, okay. Uh, one a question for each of you. If you could say one thing about God's healing power, what would you say? Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Oh, you can go first. I want to say God's healing is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like 
there were lots and lots of times where we felt it was hopeless, like things yeah. were never going to change. Yeah. Um, and I know for people, when you're dealing with long-term suffering, that you just get stuck in that and you think this is, this is just going to be always the way it is. Um, but God has got a hope and God loves to heal us. God loves to heal us. And so, um, uh, like we, by the grace of God, um, we know that Scott and I have been called to share our story. Yeah. Um, we've been, um, and God continues to place people in front of us that need to hear this particular story. Um, just this last week, we were praying with um, a couple that we met through a friend who, um, you know, one spouse is dealing with some serious mental illness also. And we just met with them and prayed with them. Um, so my message, or if I could say one thing, is that God's healing is for everyone. And God's healing can, like, is real and can be experienced. Yeah. It's not something that's elusive. God doesn't play hide and seek with us in that respect, that it's really for everyone and that it is possible. It's possible to find healing. Scott, what would you say? Um, there is such beauty in the simplicity. Uh, mm. We get lost in the complexity of life. God wants us to do simple things. Mm-hmm. And that... Uh, we often get wrapped up in what can I do to bring to God? And it's not what you can do. It's that it's you that he wants, not what you do. It's you. You're the beautiful thing. Wow. Scott, that's interesting that you would use the word simplicity because as you were describing kind of your story of healing and, and your journey, and you commented that one morning I woke up and asked our lady to heal my heart. And then you went with Rachel to a meeting that she had and you were off by yourself and you asked the same prayer again, like Lord or Mary, heal my heart. Like there's something really not glamorous about that. Like there's, you know what I mean? It's, it wasn't this like massive event that you were at or this incredible thing with thousands of people you know, cheering you on and supporting you in this or what? I mean, you were literally sitting by yourself and praying this prayer in your heart, in the stillness of your heart saying, Mary, heal my heart. And there's something so simple about that. Um, and I just, so I'm, I'm struck that you use that word uh, because I think it's so perfectly at it, uh, so perfectly describes kind of what struck me from your, your story and your journey that there was a simplicity to it and it doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be, you know, sometimes I think we expect God in the the big windstorm and the hurricane and the whatever, you know, and he just shows up in the stillness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so yeah. profound. Um, Okay. I, I am going to um, put your, maybe one of your email addresses or something like that. We'll coordinate um, in the show notes because I, I know that there's going to be people listening that uh, this is resonating with and they're going to say, okay, where do I start? What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? And you guys really, you have a lot of resources. I know you've done some um, work with Unbound and then what's the other ministry that you um, have been really active with you guys? Well, two things that I would just off the top of my head um, or I'd first recommend is the Matthew ministry here in our own diocese. They're phenomenal. They do incredible work. 
um, and uh, they're easy to access just with phone call. Yeah. And they work with a lot of people over the phone. So that's um, been an incredible gift for us. And then, um, although I did attend an encounter workshop, or no, sorry, an unbound workshop, um, I'm actually currently um, working with Encounter Healing okay. Ministries um, uh, in Brighton, Massachusetts, um, Michigan. Sorry. Um, and uh, we're doing a two-year um, training program with them. And there's a number of people also in our diocese that are in that same cohort. Uh, so uh, we have resources. We have people in the diocese who are really happy and called to pray with people for healing. Um, so um, those are the two things that I would start with, Matthew Ministry and Encounter. Um, but please, yeah, um, call us or email because we really know that the Lord has called us to help others who are struggling. Yeah. And, um, and so we're really happy to share our story and pray with people or just be of what, whatever assistance that we can be for other people. Yeah. This is such a fun conversation for me to have in lieu of just my role with Catholic Family Services, because there's such an integration of the psychological, you know, we do a lot of mental health things, but not even just chronic mental health. Maybe it's a trauma or a past memory that keeps on coming up for people. You know, Scott, you talked a little bit about that, like memories from childhood that come up. Those things can have power in our lives and we need to work at them from various angles. We need to work at it from the psychological standpoint. And I think as much as the rosary was a spiritual reality for you. There's also a psychological component to, yeah, retraining your brain. It's like a physical therapy activity, you know, like you had to kind of work your brain to uh, accommodate the different the, patterns. Yes. 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 Routines in well, yeah. rut. Yep. Um, exactly. Exactly. Suicidal ideation yep. is a very big rut. Mm -hmm. You can't break out of it where your yeah. mind. Yep. Just goes and goes out. and goes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. totally. So I just, I, I love that we're having this conversation and um, your particular passion for, for healing ministry and my passion for integrating that with the psychological sciences and your passion for that as well. Cause I know that that was a big part of your journey. So it's just really cool to have this conversation. And I know that um, a lot of listeners will really benefit from continuing the conversation with you guys. So I'll be sure to get, put a contact for you. Um, okay. Final question. So yeah. I ask every guest that comes on lead them to life. If there's a question that you have been pondering, and this really comes from my desire to, um, just leave people with something to continue to think about and wonder and knowing in my own life, the questions that people have brought me just the doors that it's opened uh, for better understanding of myself or the world around me. So Rachel, you can go first. I want to know, is there a question that you are currently pondering? It can be big, silly, little, huge, anything in between. Um, all of my current questions that I'm thinking about are related to childbirth. <laughs> Like, how long is labor going to last? And how many diapers do I really need? <laughs> All million dollar questions. And I am with you, my friend. I am. I am totally with you. So solidarity, mama. I'm with you. Oh, I love it. Okay. What about well, you, Scott? I am still with the whole birthing thing. Just how beautiful it is. Mm. And what is it going to be like to hold my child? Yeah. Yeah. And how, and just the mystery of trying to wrap that into words, you know, is, is it even possible? 
We're just so excited. We're so excited. When words fail, the heart prevails, you know? I love it. Okay, friends. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode, Rachel and Scott. I'm so grateful for you giving of your time and and your vulnerability to share your story. It's a profound one. It's a beautiful one. It's really touching to me and I know will be touching to many other listeners as well. So um, like I said, friends, I'll include some contact information for Rachel and Scott so that you can follow up with them. If you have other questions, they really a huge part of why I wanted to have them on is because they have a particular heart for sharing. Um, and encouraging others in this. And so it's not just like, oh yeah, call us if you have questions. Like they really feel a call on their lives to um, Mm -hmm. support other couples or other individuals through this process. So um, yeah, so I would love for you to share that um, or I would love for you to contact them if you have further questions, things that you're pondering after listening to this episode. Um, And we'll include some resources and things like that as well in the show notes. Um, But friends, Please share this episode with someone that you think would benefit. Uh, I hope that it encourages you in your own relationships, in your own um, journey of healing in which we all are partaking at various stages, right? We all need some healing. So um, share this episode with a friend. Also, a quick logistical note, I am about two-ish weeks from uh, another little baby girl joining our house. So um, I plan to take off this summer, which will be a perfect um, kind of seasonal break. And um, I think I'll have maybe one or two more episodes, depending upon when this little one makes her debut. Um, But just a heads up, I'll be taking the summer off uh, and then we'll be back with season three of Lead Them to Life in the fall. So thanks so much for listening, friends, and we'll see you next time. 